All right. Hi, everybody. So uh, I didn't think the session was advertised at all, so we weren't sure if there were going to be like 10 people here or not, but it's like totally full, which I'm super psyched about. I'm here today to talk about Amazon Guard Duty, a new launch uh, that we had last night. Uh, how many of you were there with uh, Peter DeSantis' Tuesday night thing? Oh, awesome. It was kind of late, uh, but we, we did the announcement last night. And uh, Guard Duty is a threat protection uh, or threat detection service uh, that we tailored for the cloud. And it's interesting because you turn it on, and it just goes to work uh, on your accounts. It doesn't require a software stack. It doesn't require agents. It just goes to work monitoring your accounts and the applications and services within them. So I'm going to go and walk you through some of the high-level details of the service. Uh, so the service itself uh, will continuously monitor. Uh, so it looks at CloudTrail, VPC flow logs, and DNS query logs. Uh, you turn it on with one click, and uh, it makes use. So, so it does two things. Firstly, it will detect known threats. And we've put a lot of effort into this, so uh, using threat intelligence. And I'll talk about that. So we have, um, it's basically a channel for AWS security to pass our own threat intelligence to our customers. And so we have threat intelligence that we collect, uh, that we use to get detections for IP and DNS-based um, uh, uh, entities. We also partnered up with two commercial providers. Uh, so CrowdStrike and Proofpoint, uh, two of the industry-leading uh, security uh, uh, firms with a very good source of threat intel. And so our customers told us that these, uh, these uh, uh, vendors have threat intel that they trust, and uh, we, we were able to get them integrated with the, with the service as well. So it comes out of the box. In addition, uh, we make use of, uh, of uh, anomaly detection, so uh, heuristics, uh, analytics, uh, machine learning classifiers, uh, to actually look for uh, unknown threats as well. So it's an important part of the offering. And then we produce detailed and actionable findings uh, for all of that. So let me just go through and walk you through it. So we'll just go, and I'm going to switch over, and we're just going to look at the product. At least we hope to. <laughs> oh, my computer went to sleep. That's why. All right, cool. Now I'll give this a shot. Oh, there we go. So this is the, uh, the front page of the service, and you'll see there's a welcome screen uh, that just went up last night. It's linked in to the security page of the AWS console. Uh, it's available in 14 regions, so we deployed the service globally uh, right out of the gate, uh, which was challenging. It supports eight languages, uh, but we wanted to make sure that it's a global launch uh, as well. And, uh, and you'll see, uh, if you click Getting Started, uh, you'll take you to a page where there's basically one button. It's basically Enable Guard Duty. We put a lot of work to reducing this <laughs> to one button. <laughs> so the, uh, you'll see, it, it's not much of a demo if I just press the button and walk away, uh, but I do, I do have something planned for you. So um, the Enable Guard Duty button gives, you, gives us permission to access your logs. So, so it gives us uh, access you're allowing us to access uh, CloudTrail VPC flow logs and your DNS uh, query logs as well. Likewise, you can take away access. So you just turn the service off, and then you take access away from those. In addition, we have one service link role that's uh, up on the top here. And I'll click on it. You can see we look for describe images and describe instances. We basically use that so that if we find something wrong with a, an instance, we can grab all kinds of metadata about the instance to, to fortify the, uh, the findings that we present. <clears throat> So let's enable the service. All right, so, so at this point, it's monitoring my account in this region, so it's regional. You'll have to enable it in all regions. 
and, uh, and it's going to work, looking for uh, anomalies, it's looking for, uh, for activity that's, uh, that's coming from bad actors. I'll walk you through all the things that we're looking for. Again, not much of a demo, so I have a plan for that. So I'm going to switch back here and keep my other machine alive. Okay. And I built a demo environment. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we actually have a test environment. It's completely automated. I use CloudFormation to build it up. It's got two subnets in it. One has a Bastion host. One has a Kali Linux instance that we pulled off the AWS marketplace. Uh, for those of you who aren't kind of pen tester <coughs> types or red team types, uh, Kali Linux is basically a, a Linux distribution that's packed with, uh, with t tools for pen testing. So it's got all kinds of pen testing tools in it. Uh, we're going to use that to do all kinds of evil things against the Linux instance and the Windows instance that are in the same VPC. And so you can see what the guard duty findings look like. So I have a, a test script, and we'll, we'll run through all of that. So, uh, so that's what the configuration looks like. We'll switch back, and I'll walk you through this. Okay. Uh, this way. So in this case, let me just SSH in. All right, so I, hopefully that's big enough. I'll make it bigger. Let me just run the script that we have. And the script will do a bunch of things. So firstly, it'll run nmap scans on the instances that are there. So that's like the first thing that, that we would do is we want to do recon on the environment and see what's there. And so here we'll uh, enumerate the ports that are there. And, uh, and so we'll just do some internal scanning. Now, this is coming from my own VPC. So the, the priority of that finding is going to be a little bit higher because you don't expect your internal employees to be doing port scanning. Uh, <laughs> And then, then uh, once, we, once we actually discover that there's a port there, we're actually going to do an SSH brute force attack. So we use a tool called Crowbar, and we're just going to take a bunch of keys. Uh, they're not really compromised keys, but make believe they're compromised keys. And we just force them all at that, at that Linux instance. And that's, that's what we focus on for the SSH brute force. We do the same for the Windows instance with an RDP brute force attack using a tool called Hydra. And we just take a bunch of passwords, and we just go and do a bunch of requests at the Windows instance. Neither of them will succeed, uh, because I made sure that neither would succeed. And, uh, uh, and then what we do is we, uh, we join a Bitcoin mining pool. And uh, so, we, so we do some uh, simulation of, of Bitcoin mining. Uh, we do a DNS exfiltration attack. And so what we do is we take uh, data, and we run it. We basically tunnel it over uh, DNS protocol. And we run it out of uh, route 50, oh, out of port 53, and, uh, and so we can actually detect that. That's a really common technique for exfiltrating data on servers because almost everybody has port 53 open because they want to DNS and do things with the internet, and uh, and a lot of people don't monitor uh, DNS traffic for, uh, for for stuff running over it. So this is something that we do. And then uh, the other thing that we're doing is we're calling, so we have some temporary credentials from the instance, and we're using that to call into the uh, AWS endpoints, uh, but we're doing that through a Tor anonymizing proxy, uh, so there's a transparent proxy that's running, and we're sending those. So, so the traffic will use our own keys, so it's our own temporary credentials, and it will succeed, but it's running out through Tor exit nodes that'll be like at some random location of the world, and so we'll, we'll, we'll do that. So it's super noisy, script kitty kind of attack uh, that we're gonna run, which should generate a lot of findings that we can take a look at. So in the meantime, I'm gonna switch back and we are going to take a look at the service a bit more. Okay. 
So let's take a look at how we detect things. So, oh, let me, let me, before I start that. So the time it takes to get the detections will vary. So with the new instance types that went in, uh, the C5 instance types in, in uh, the US East, uh, EC2 instances, um, 30 seconds to two minutes we'll get detections. So super fast. Uh, so that's kind of the next generation and, and the VPC flow logs you'll see will go much faster uh, there as well uh, for your own use or for your partners that are using VPC flow logs. And then, uh, and then it'll vary from like five to 10 minutes, depending, like if you get the smaller, like a T2 micro, it'll be, it'll be longer, like 10 minutes. Uh, if you're using CloudTrail, uh, so the CloudTrail detections will be more like five to 15 minutes, like in that window, and then DNS will be a little bit behind it. So I'll, I'll talk for 10 minutes, I'm gonna walk you through the service, we'll go back and we should have a bunch of detections there, we probably won't have everything, but that's, that's, that's the general idea. So, what we do with known threats is we use threat intelligence. And so threat intelligence is really good because it gives you really good breadth of coverage. And so for a new service like this, uh, we can get really good coverage for, for, uh, uh, for threats by basically using threat feeds. And so what is a threat feed? So just picture this. If you can collect a huge amount of malware, so millions and millions of malware samples, and you run them through a detonation chamber, and you go and you scrape out all the URLs and all of the IP addresses that you're, you're get, getting, and you put those into a big list, you've got a pretty good like, list of malware that's running on the internet. You, you can use lots of other uh, techniques to build those, those lists. Uh, but, you know, depending on, uh, so, so we'll do that on a daily basis, and in fact an hourly basis in the case of uh, some of our feeds, and we'll, we'll get the latest uh, uh, threats for, for kind of what's bad on the internet at any one point in time. And, and likewise, for the commercial feeds, we'll get both IP addresses and DNS addresses that we'll use, and we'll do comparisons on it. So we basically build this big IP reputation service, and we run all the traffic through that. It's in the order of like 80 million uh, lookups per second. That's like super uh, uh, scaled when, when we scale this up. It's all using AWS technology underneath, so, so load balancers and auto-scaling groups, that sort of thing. And uh, we'll actually do comparisons, and so we can get really good detections from this. The thing that's nice about this is uh, you can get really good true positive detections without generating a lot of false positives. And false positives are evil in this space. For those of you who've worked in this space before, you'll know, and we've talked to a lot of customers about this, they say if you, you send us on a wild goose chase to look after detections that aren't really uh, evil, uh, then we're wasting a lot of precious resources, there aren't that many great security engineers on the planet, and we're gonna turn the service off. And so we put a lot of effort into making sure we keep the, the rate of false positives super low. And this is good for finding things like malware-infected hosts. And you'll see, if you have a malware-infected host, the service will pick it up like super fast. Um, sites that are hosting uh, hacker tools, uh, so when you go and uh, you, you pull out a remote access trojan or something like that to launch an attack or for lateral movement, we'll detect those types of things with this. So it's a great catch-all. So we wanted that right away with the service. The, the real intellectual property behind the service is in the uh, detecting unknown threats. So this is, where, this is where the real effort is and the real investment. So here, uh, when you look at it, we use uh, algorithms to detect unusual behavior. We do this in a bunch of ways. So firstly, we can look at the signal patterns, and uh, so we look at, at the signal patterns of, of uh, signature, and we can build detections based on that. Uh, we use heuristics, we use, uh, so we use pattern detection, we'll build uh, machine learning classifiers as well. Uh, machine learning is really interesting in this space. Machine learning is terribly good at finding like items. It's not so good at finding anomalous items. And so it works really well in some areas where you have a rich data source, like CloudTrail works super well. And so what we do is we invest in building models 
uh, for, for CloudTrail. We've put a lot of effort into this. And if you do this well, you can end up getting uh, really good results from it. You can get a lot of different detections without writing like thousands of heuristics or rules. We can, we can get really good detections from that. And you can detect a lot of unknown things as well. That the problem with it is it's super easy to kind of build a classifier that will detect true positives, but really hard to get the false positives out of those models. And it requires just a lot of uh, tuning and validation to do that. And so we, we spend a lot of time doing this. So the types of people that we hire tend to be uh, math PhDs, uh, folks who are really uh, strong in data science. And you have to go down a dark alley, and you have to be willing to do research. So you can go down and research this for three months and think that you might be able to get good detections. And at the end, it turns out you can't and you have to start over again. And so it's a big investment that we have to make. Um, this is an area where we have a lot of expertise uh, at AWS, and we're leveraging all of that. So we have data scientists on our team, but we also have the AWS deep learning team that we've been working with. And they, they've been great at generating like, these great ideas, and, and uh, we, we've been working on building through, uh, working through these models. Just to give you an example uh, of pattern detection or what the data scientist might do. So it starts with uh, visualizing the data and understanding the types of attacks. So in this case, um, this is a brute force example where you look at packets per flow. And uh, if you, you look at the packets per flow for a brute force attack, you see this very um, unique signal pattern that happens. Uh, this is not low and slow. This is somebody blasting uh, your Linux instance with, with, uh, with keys. And you can see, though, the packets per flow goes up substantially. And you can see these patterns. And so you can work backwards from that and develop uh, 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 analytics to actually detect those types of patterns. And, uh, and you, know, you have to get really sophisticated with it because attackers uh, will, will try to evade detection. And so they'll do low and slow. And they'll go, they'll go slowly and change those signal patterns. And so there's a lot of work to kind of keep up with that. I'll talk about that in a moment. So let's talk about what we can detect. Uh, so this is kind of the important piece here. So if you look at this, I, I, uh, this is really modeled after an attack chain. And this is an attack chain in the cloud where the attacker tries to uh, uh, compromise an instance. And when they, when they compromise the instance, the next step is to try to make that pivot to compromise the account. And so they're basically trading credentials that they can get on an instance to try to get account credentials and do something evil with, with the account credentials. And so you, could, you can replace any piece of this. You know, these are just phases of the attack. You can replace them. Just as an example, uh, recon would be nmap scans, uh, uh, RDP brute force attack. Once we get initial entry, and this could take a while to get the initial entry, but once you have initial entry, we might install a remote access trojan so that we can get back, or a bind shell so we can get back in. And from that point, uh, we have uh, access back into the, uh, into the host. And then from that point, we might try to get the temporary IAM credentials off the host. So all of these hosts have temporary IAM credentials, which, uh, which are delivered there. And we might want to see what they do. So the first thing I would do if I want to see what they do and I don't want attribution by uh, our security team is to run them through an anonymizing proxy. And that's exactly what the bad guys do. And so they run them through an anonymizing proxy. They see what the credentials can do. When they do that, they do reconnaissance. And they, they use uh, signal patterns in doing that as well. And uh, they have an attempt to compromise the, uh, uh, the account. If they compromise the account, what are the kinds of things that they're looking for? Well, one is exfiltration of data and try to get access to the data that's there. But another is just Bitcoin mining uh, on, the, on the account. So uh, if all of a sudden you see a spike where you have uh, an account that's uh, gone up to its instance limit with the largest instance types that we have and there's tons of activity, there's a good chance that something's wrong there. And so we have anomaly detection that'll catch that. So 
if you look at all phases of this, we have detections all around this attack chain. So uh, in this case, we'll pick up uh, the recon uh, activity. We'll pick up the fact that hacker tools were pulled down for, for installing the remote access trojan. They went to a blacklisted IP. The RDP brute force attack will be there. Uh, the communication on unusual ports will pick up unusual traffic volumes, uh, particularly over DNS, which is not usual, and DNS exfiltration itself will pick up. And then uh, the use of the anonymizing proxy, the use of the temporary credentials on a different instance than they were, they were meant for, we'll pick that up as well. And then, of course, the Bitcoin mining at the end uh, of the attack, we'll pick that up, and an unusual instance launch. So that, that just gives you an idea of the, the types of um, uh, coverage that we have for the attack chain. We have 38 uh, detections that are in the, uh, in the service at launch. I'll talk about some of those. The categories come in six flavors. There's really seven flavors because there's also a pen testing flavor as well. So, so we do have a, a special uh, kind of uh, detection. So if you're using a partner product uh, that is actually whitelisted uh, with our security team and you're just doing everyday port scanning, we'll still detect the fact that they're doing port scanning, but we'll give a special finding for that that says this, this is from a known partner product so that we don't uh, kind of scare anybody with it. But we, we want to create visibility uh, there as well. And then these six categories are things like recon, uh, a stealth where somebody's trying to cover their tracks, you know, recon where they're trying to figure out what's there, unauthorized access, uh, so, so this is the exploitation phase, uh, the cryptocurrency mining, uh, all, all fits in there. So we have all of those. Now, if you look at the detection flywheel, so this is the interesting part of this. So, so uh, for those of you who've been in this space for a while or know this space uh, really well, most of the intrusion detection services or systems that have been out for years have been high-end uh, services. They've, uh, they've been very expensive and they go to a limited number of customers. Uh, if you're a bad actor, it's really hard to get your hands on these and, uh, and sometimes difficult to, to see for, for a while uh, what they can actually pick up and detect. We're kind of turning that on its head. So we have a service here, it's low cost, we're sending it out across the world, it's super easy to access, anybody can access it, good, good uh, actors, bad actors alike. And so uh, we're taking a different approach here. And so uh, what we're doing is we're signing up to get on a treadmill and we're gonna be on this treadmill for, for a long time and, uh, and we have to be modifying our detections constantly and constantly investing in the analytics uh, that are under here to make sure that we're getting good detections uh, based on the feedback we're getting. One advantage that we do have though is we have a really broad set of customers that run on the cloud. We get a lot of feedback from those customers about uh, attacks that they're seeing. If they're bought into guard duty, there's lots of motivation to make sure that any false negatives that, they're, that, that we're not detecting uh, get reported to us. And so those will get reported through our field organizations. We'll be collecting all of that data. We'll be using our own security operations team to learn about the types of attacks. If we see something that's happening to one customer, we can go and codify and build rules for it to make sure that all customers are protected. And so this is the investment that we're making is in the analytics. This will go to AWS security. All of those practices flow back uh, to the guard duty team and, and all AWS service teams where we codify those and make sure that we're getting good detections and then we pass those off to customers. So that's, that's the detection flywheel and, the, and the, the, uh, the, the road that we're on. So then last piece before we kind of flip over and I'll show you the detections and kind of walk through the product is uh, the pace of innovation. So uh, you can see we, we actually did a private preview of the service in May. So May 1st, we signed up um, about 30 customers. Uh, who are super helpful in, in actually shaping this product as well. Uh, and and uh, I have a slide at the end where uh, we'll talk about some of them. Um, 
But here we started with 12 detections, and as we went through the summer, we just kept adding detections based on what we've learned over that time. We're up to 38. We actually have nine more that we're launching in about two weeks. So, uh, so we're continuing uh, to add to this. We, we might not necessarily add lots of new additional detections, but we'll be updating existing detections. But, but there is definitely a flywheel, and we're going to be innovating on this side uh, going forward as well. All right, so with that, let's flip back. And I will show you this service. Let me just log back in. All right. Okay. All right. Let's hope that there's some results. Oh, there are. That's good. <laughs> uh, so I'll, sh I'll walk you through a few of these. So, so you'll see the detections will come out here, and uh, and you'll see there there are a bunch of detections that are here. One is the brute force detection here. And let me see if I can make this a little bigger. You see that in the back? Sort of, yeah, okay, good. So, so we have a lot of data that's packed in here. And uh, one thing that we did, and this is based, again, like we didn't have this in, in May, and uh, one of the first pieces of customer feedback we got was, you guys don't make us go and like take an IP and then go figure out what the instance type is or what account it's coming from. Like put all of that in the finding. And we spent a couple of months actually doing findings enhancement and we, we, built, uh, we built this up. So in this case, we have a few things that are interesting here. One, we have the uh, threat class that's right on the top. So we have this uh, kind of notation. That's the, the, um, the, the threat indicator, so unauthorized access. EC2 is the resource, and then in this case, SSH brute force, which is the, the type of, uh, of finding. And then here we'll have a human readable description of this. This is a high priority finding because the SSH brute force is coming from within our own VPC outbound. This is an outbound detection. We can see that because it says outbound somewhere here. Uh, connection direction says outbound. So that's important. We want to know that. And uh, the inbound one we have as well. So the inbound one is two above that. Uh, that's a lower priority de detection because it's coming, uh, coming from the inside. And somebody can brute force in a, a Linux instance all day long and never get in. So it's, it's something you may want to know about, but might not necessarily uh, want to get paged in the middle of the night over. So, so that's the difference. Um, it'll give you the ports and give you all the information we have about it. And then we'll also link uh, to the resource ID. So this is the, this is the instance ID. And we have uh, uh, the account ID here. I can make this if I stretch this out. And you can see, you can on any of these, you can actually filter. So you can hit the plus sign, and we have this chip on the top where we can, so this is all coming from the same account, but we, we can include or exclude that. And, uh, and you can filter on all the different uh, variables that are here on the side. Let me show another one. Oh, let me show this one. This one's interesting. So this one's coming from outside. So this one is a port probe that's coming into the, to the Bastion host. So the Bastion host is open to 0000, uh, and it's coming in inbound. Uh, so we're not actually, this isn't from my demo. This is some person somewhere. <laughs> this is some person in Moscow. And uh, we have the ISP listed there as well. And I don't want to pick on any part of the world because this stuff comes from everywhere. And, uh, but, but I would say um, this is not just a port probe, uh, so it's not just, not just an inbound uh, port scan. It's a port scan from a malicious host from our threat list. So this is from the proof point list. You can see the list name here, so we have attribution there. So if you're a security expert and you know a lot about these lists, you can actually look and see where, where it's coming from and, and, uh, and where this is coming from. So that's, that's an interesting one. So you'll, you'll get instant visibility. One of the first things you see when you turn on the service is that it's, it's like super motivation. And I, I've got a lot of hosts that were open to zero, 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 and they're protected, you know, uh, TLS and 
port four, four, three, and all of a sudden you see somebody actually trying to knock it over for like a long period of time, it really changes your motivation and you, you try to like lock it down a bit. So uh, you'll see that first and foremost. If there is an instance compromise, and we've had customers in our preview who've had uh, instance compromise, you'll see it really quick here. So we, we, had, um, we had a few customers that had issues with malware infected hosts, and the malware will talk to Tor, it'll talk to uh, CNC servers that are out there on the web, and you, you tend to get a lot of detections for it. Uh, we had a customer last night, uh, they tweeted about it, and then they removed their tweet. Uh, but it was on Jeff Barr's blog post, and they were like, oh my god, we have Bitcoin mining going on in our environment. So, so you, will, you will catch this stuff, and it'll be noisy uh, when, when you do. Now, that said, the more sophisticated attackers are, are, are not going to be noisy, and they're not going to be kids in their mom's basement who are hitting you with, like, tools and Kali Linux. And, uh, and so that's why we have that breadth of detections that are there. And, uh, and, and you'll get fewer of them in those cases, but, but hopefully we're, we're going to be triggering uh, some indicators there. Okay, so let's take a look at an outbound port scan. So this is another one here where we have the network connection direction is outbound, the port scan. You can see down on the bottom, we'll have actually the ports that we're scanning. So we're scanning this large range of ports. So these are pretty interesting. All of these go to CloudWatch events as well, and they can be exported. And so uh, you have the op opportunity here. If you see, uh, I can export this. You'll see, I'll hide my account number there, not that anybody here is gonna attack me. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> You see, uh, what we did is it, these are all JSONified. These are everything that's in the console is available to you uh, through CloudWatch events, and you can you can go and build all kinds of integration. I'll, I'll show you. We have a whole bunch of partners who built a whole bunch of integration at launch, and and the the solutions that they came up with are awesome. So I saw a bunch of them. I saw uh, Splunk and Sumo Logic who had these beautiful like dashboards on them. Uh, there, there are several others that are doing remediation. Lots of the partners took different approaches around it, but they're, they're using this interface. So it's pr pretty interesting. Everything's here and you can see, um, you can go and you can, uh, you can pull these apart. One thing that I did is I just built a very simple, uh, I pushed these to Lambda and then published them to an incoming webhook in Slack and uh, just have the findings coming out here. These are, these are real findings that came out just, just now. So uh, it has the severity in them and you can have some, some data and you, could, you can enhance these all you'd like. One thing that we did is we, we, we didn't want to create, so we know like we're testing this stuff in, in limited scale with four instances or three instances or four instances. A lot of our customers will have very large numbers of instances. You go and turn this on. We don't want to flood your account with thousands and thousands of findings. And so you'll see there's a count next to these. Uh, it's, it's one. It happens to be one in all cases. But if we do have activity that's going on, in fact, let me just refresh. And, no, this is still one. But uh, if, if we run this many times, that, that number will just increment. We'll update the findings that are here. Let's say you, your company does Bitcoin mining for a living, uh, and you don't want to get findings about Bitcoin mining. Uh, you can actually go and you can archive uh, that finding, and, uh, and you can basically push it out of the way. So it's a suppression routine, where you won't get bothered with those findings anymore. They'll still be there, and you can, you can unarchive them, but you can suppress them as well. You can basically just click on it, uh, grab any one of these. Oh, sorry, wrong button. And we can say archive. And I'll just move it to the archive. There's an archive page that's here as well. And we've got the archive. Uh, page. Under the general tab that we have here, so we'll talk about the CloudWatch events. I talked a little bit about it. One thing that you can do is you can generate sample findings. And if, so if you go up here and you click on generate sample findings, we'll enumerate all of the current findings that we have. And so we, we, put, we put them all out there. So we're, we're not super secretive about what's there. You can go and you can see exactly what's there. Uh, we are super, super secretive about how we, how we get there and uh, the algorithms that we're building and the, and the uh, techniques that we're using. Uh, but the findings you have access to. And so I, I can click on this. I'll click on it now. Uh, 
And you can see if I come back to this tab, I'll have a whole bunch of findings here. And you can see all kinds of interesting things. There's fake data in all of these, but you can go through and you can see. And it's a great way to just learn about the capabilities of the service is just go and, and generate the findings that are there. Okay. We'll go back and I'll just talk about a few other things with uh, CloudWatch events and also the um, multi-account capabilities that we have, which I think you guys will really like also. How many people here are from a security team? All right, right on. So it's a good, good mix. Uh, so we're, we're hoping that this goes beyond the bounds of security teams, but security teams have some pretty interesting challenges. And we lear learned about some of those, not only because we live within a security team, uh, so I'm from AWS Security and I, I live in that org, and I have access to a lot of security people and, and understand that space pretty well. But at the same time, uh, we learned a lot from our customers as well. Um, anyway, let me walk through this and I'll talk about the multi-account capabilities that we have. So one, one interface that we have here, uh, so if you're a security team and you want to connect up a bunch of accounts, you have CloudWatch events. And so with CloudWatch events, uh, this is basically, we basically send immutable events from AWS services through CloudWatch events and you can write a filter to pull data off of them. Uh, so if you haven't worked with it before, it's a super simple way uh, to, to grab data and you can push them to, uh, to uh, Lambda like I did with the Slack channel, but you could also use Firehose, you can connect that there and you can push them to S3, you can encrypt them, you can put them into gzip format and then you could use like Glue and Athena and you could do searches on them so you could build that. Our partners integrate through that, so if you wanna go and uh, you wanna run a, a Splunk collector, that's the point of integration as uh, the CloudWatch events piece, so, so uh, I think uh, super interesting what you can do with that. There's basically a rule and basically it'll actually, the dropdown's not there, it'll be there like within a day or two, but it'll drop down and say guard duty and, uh, and then you'll be able to filter out all the guard duty events from here and push them. Right now you can just put the source in, which is AWS guard duty. And then we'll go and we generate findings and we'll push them out, uh, in this case, uh, to a Lambda function that can write them out to any, any source that you'd like. So if you have your own ticketing system or remediation capability, chances are you want to integrate it with that and, uh, and have it into your, into your workflow. We've even seen some customers who are pushing it to their uh, SIM system, and, that they're, and when they find something that's wrong, they're actually coming back to, to our console to investigate because we have all the links in the console as well. Uh, so we have deep linked findings uh, that you, you have there as well. So I think uh, there's a lot of flexibility that you get from that. Okay, um, the other piece of this, oh, sorry, did I, did I not build that piece? Anyway, you get the idea, sorry. I, I have a preview page there, so I'm looking at the preview and it like had the whole slide there and then you guys are looking at the half a slide, that piece. Anyway, you get the idea. So PagerDuty, Jira, like all of these things, super easy to plug in with, uh, with the, the API capabilities that they have. All right, so, so here's the thing that we learned. Uh, so we got on a call with, uh, with a security team and it was a couple of security teams, we had a similar issue. Now, they wanna turn this on to like a thousand accounts. So the first thing they do is they call the team that's responsible for the account. And it turns out they don't have access to the accounts. And we found this, this was the case in a lot of our the security teams that we talked to. They're responsible for monitoring accounts, but not necessarily, uh, have, they don't necessarily have control over those accounts. Maybe they have break glass uh, access, so if something goes terribly wrong, they can get in, but they can't go and install software. So they had to call up, so we call up some DevOps guy who's like mad at the security team to begin with. And we're like, oh, just turn on the service. Oh, and then, then connect up CloudWatch events and point it over here. And the guy was like, 
no way. <laughs> so we, we, we realized right away that we had to have a multi-account capability uh, built into the service. So that's what we invested in as well. And so we spent a lot of time on this. And so the, the multi-account capability will let you turn on uh, the uh, service in a number of accounts that you're responsible for managing as a security team and then have all those uh, results centralized to, to the instance that you're, that you're managing in your security team. And the way we do it is with a workflow. And I'll just walk you through it. So in any arbitrary account, you can set up a group of member accounts. So call this the master account. Any account can be a master account. You can specify a number of member accounts. Basically add the accounts, and you look for the account number and the email that's associated with the account. We'll validate that to make sure that you're not spoofing people and things like that. We send the email out request, which looks like this, and the request will have a single link in it. And the link will take you to the guard duty page exactly where you need to go, and it basically reduces the whole step to, to one click, where you actually enable the service and route all the findings back to the, to the master account. So when you click on that, it takes you to a page that looks like this. It says the master account's trying to get access. You can put a custom message there. It says that my security team's trying to get access to your account. It's a requirement and uh, contact so-and-so if you have any issues with it, but accept that. And, uh, and, and when you accept it in the master account, it'll show up as monitored and you'll have a whole list of monitored accounts. And we'll track the state of all of those through that process. But that's a way that we can get all of these configured. And basically what we do is we just create roles in those accounts and we federate. And, we, and when you go to pull findings, we'll pull findings from all those accounts and, and we integrate them that way. That's, that's not the only way you can do this. You can do this in all kinds of ways. We have a Bodo uh, client. We have all the SDK coverage. We have uh, CloudFormation. Uh, set up so there's, there's lots of ways to skin this cat and you can even you know with cloud formation you could uh, take the uh, member accounts and you could actually turn off capabilities that are there so to make sure that nobody could turn off guard duty for example out, out of this box this is a very federated model where the application team has complete ownership of the account they could turn off this relationship we will generate a finding if that happens and we'll let you know that that happened but there's no prevention of it. We do have permissions for everything, and so you can set permissions for exactly the capabilities that, that you want there as well. All right, so in terms of uh, uh, the support for coverage, we have good coverage for, uh, for the service out of, out of the gate with API support. So we have SDKs uh, for basically everything that we support in AWS, so uh, Java, Go, Python, JavaScript, Ruby, PHP, and .NET, and they're all available uh, at GA, so, so those, those are there. That's important for scripting. Everything in the service is in the API. Anything in the console is in the API. Anything in the API is in the console, so we, we, we were uh, really careful about that. So there's, there's no like hidden APIs or private APIs. Even the master member invitations, all that stuff is all covered in the API, so you can, you can use all of that and automate it. And then uh, let's talk about pricing. So this one is interesting. So I think the first thing to tell you about pricing is one, one thing that we do. So there, it's based on two dimensions. It's based on uh, the amount of CloudTrail analysis that we do. And CloudTrail analysis doesn't tend to, they tend to be big messages, but we don't tend to get like lots of them. But BBC flow logs, depending on the account and uh, the time of day, we can get massive amounts. So we have these two dimensions. So we'll, we'll bill on the uh, 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 gigabytes of BBC flow logs and DNS logs that we process and then uh, CloudTrail. So it's $4 per uh, million events in CloudTrail, and then uh, the VPC flow log is tiered pricing. What we did is we uh, have a one-month free trial. So when you sign up for the service, whenever that is, you'll get 30 days to try the service for free. And uh, in the, there's a page that, that gets set up, and I'll show it to you before we, we uh, end up. 
uh, and it's a free trial page, and it'll show you your spend uh, there as well. So you would have spent this much. And at the end of 30 days, you can see what your 30-day bill would have been. Uh, for most customers in the preview, this was, was relatively small. It was definitely less than 1% of the spend in most of the larger accounts that we looked at. And for most of the smaller and mid-sized accounts, it was like $50, $60 for the month. So it's, it's not a super expensive service. It's fairly predictable uh, in terms of what we have, in terms of the metadata that we're processing. So and it's meant to be that way. Uh, at launch, I mentioned this, uh, the 14 regions that we're supporting are here. In addition, we're working on support for, uh, for GovCloud as well. That does uh, require some uh, paperwork that we have to do and some compliance uh, effort, and uh, that, that'll take us into the first half of next year. Uh, but we have these 14 regions uh, to go uh, out of the box, which we're really proud of. Uh, and those are supported with, uh, with eight languages. So we have uh, uh, support for eight languages. One thing I learned about localization, I learned this a long time ago, is that there, there are armies of people who do localization and you, you have to go back and validate all of this. So we found people at Amazon who speak all of these languages. We went back and we validated all of them and uh, we've, we've made lots and lots of changes based on that. But out of the box you have that. So the, the console is localized there uh, out, out of the box. So I, I want to talk about two Two other pieces. So then this is a really important part of this space. So with the partners that we have, so we have a set of technology partners that we worked with and, and a set of consulting partners. Uh, I focused on the technology partners. I, I mentioned uh, CrowdStrike and Proofpoint out of the gate because they're actually integrated with the product, the threat intelligence feeds, and I think that's an important part of what we're, um, what, what we're offering. But in addition to that, there are a number of uh, partner products that a lot of our customers are already using and they love. And what we wanted to do is make sure that when customers turned on guard duty, they would have the same experience or better with those, with those partner products. So if you, you're using alert logic today and you love working with alert logic, you turn on guard duty, you get additional, you get additional uh, capabilities. And so uh, I think you'll see um, the, the work that we did with Redlock, uh, IO with, uh, with uh, alert logic, with Trend Micro, um, uh, Evident IO, like out of, the, out of the box, all of these partners, I, I guess this is the point, without pointing on any specific one. All of these partners uh, to, to be up here uh, made a commitment to actually integrate with the service and actually did something of value for, for customers. So that, that's what we wanted. And uh, so we, we really appreciate that commitment. And uh, same with the consulting partners that, that are here. So most of them have practices uh, that are focused on security and we'll be working. So one of the things that we worry about with this is that once you take a product like this, you bring it to everybody, and they get alerts. Uh, you know, if you're a security professional, you know what to do with them. Uh, you understand true positives and false positives and how to work through them. But we're not sure everybody will, and so we need partners to really help with remediation. And if somebody does find something, you know, what do I do? What's my next step? And so, uh, so we really focus on that with the partner community. And then the customer community, and this, this I'm also uh, super proud of. So in the, the customer community, uh, we got really great feedback uh, from early on. And so we had these customers plus, plus a bunch of others. Uh, but I would say um, you know, in, in this community, we got uh, lots of feedback on the multi-account work that we did, lots of feedback on the detections, uh, the findings format, and uh, the enhancements that we made to the findings format. And, uh, and, and we had time to actually iterate and we bake that uh, those recommendations in, and so we're, so we're really proud of that as well. And, uh, and so you see the, the customers that we had came from many different uh, verticals as well. So we had financial services, we had large enterprises, we had some smaller customers, uh, kind of all across the board. And so with that, I actually have a customer who's here uh, from Autodesk, uh, Colby, who's going to actually walk through and, uh, and tell you a bit about his experience with guard duty and how they're using guard duty at Autodesk, which we thought would be 
uh, worthwhile. So with that, I'll pass this to you. And I will. Ah, this is the latest deck. Awesome. So you're good. All right. uh, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Colby. I'm on the uh, cloud security team at Autodesk. And um, we've been using Guard Duty um, since the summer. Uh, it's been a great tool out of the box. Um, a couple things about Autodesk. Uh, some of you may have seen one of our VPs speaking last night. Um, he was talking about how AWS is enabling us to do a lot of really cool things with uh, generative design, with um, compute power. Um, another thing is uh, we also do a lot of work within film, architecture, manufacturing, design. Basically, any kind of design, we have some kind of tool where we're enabling customers to work in that field. Um, and so a part of that is not only do we use a lot of compute, we also use a lot of accounts. Um, and that number's in the hundreds with, um, oh, sorry, I didn't know that wasn't up. <laughs> um, so uh, numbers in, in the uh, hundreds. Um, our VPCs are even more than that. So Guard Duty was really good um, out of the box because we were able to use just a few Amazon native services to create a service um, that allowed us to centralize all of our findings um, into one place. So starting off, um, as was mentioned, we use CloudWatch events. Um, and this was something that we enabled in each account. And then from there, um, we were able to send it to a central uh, CloudWatch event bus. Um, so right here, this is a capability that we didn't have before. Um, when we're talking about hundreds of different accounts, um, with teams that we're supporting all around the world using different workloads. Um, creating something this streamlined is, uh, can be very difficult. So having this just a couple clicks out of the box was extremely powerful. Um, from there, one of the main integrations we did um, was connecting to a central processing lambda that then connected to Kinesis Firehose and uh, connected to Amazon Elasticsearch. Uh, so um, for this, we were able to build uh, Kibana dashboards that were very effective at visualizing data that we'd never really looked at um, in this kind of way before. Um, sure, there were VPC flow logs and things like that, but all of a sudden, we were looking at um, additional feeds, things like uh, DNS analysis, um, integrating with threat intel, and integrating with machine learning from Amazon as well as from our own. So this was able to really paint a really good story for us, um, pretty much right out of the box. Um, the second thing we did is we integrated it with um, our in-house monitoring and alerting framework um, called Pulsar. Um, and this integration was also extremely easy. So almost right out of the box, we were able to plug it in, um, and we were able to do user notifications, um, case creations, and uh, all the other kind of security processing and collecting that we wanted to do on our end. So um, in the end, I do have uh, three kind of cool samples that happened. Um, the first one was um, anomaly detection. I was actually working at my grandfather's house, um, and I was doing some cloud trail maintenance, and I was not on the um, corporate VPN. And I actually was not trying to trigger cloud tr uh, guard duty, but I had it connected to a uh, SNS topic that was going to my phone. And shortly after I started this maintenance, I started getting buzzed about my username um, doing suspicious activity from an unknown ISP. Um, so that was really great. That was really cool to see. Um, second, for log analysis, once again, this wasn't actually a guard duty test that we were doing. Um, we do use honeypots in our environment, and we got an alert that there was potential CNC activity, um, and it was detecting this on outbound DNS connections. Um, so sure enough, we looked into it, and it had found one of our honeypots, um, which was another funny surprise. Um, and then just kind of out of the box, something where it really reinforces uh, something that we're already doing um, is VPC flow um, for unprotected ports and brute forcing. Um, like it was discussed, uh, you kind of see how quickly these can come in if you leave something open. 
Um, we currently have monitoring and alerting in place for our users um, if they open up a security group or if they launch an instance in an insecure, insecure security group, um, we will send them a notification. This immediately adds, uh, allows us to add weight to that notification because all of a sudden we have the power to say, hey, this is open, and you know that's against policy, but now we're actually seeing a malicious IP actively probing it. Or better yet, well, not better yet, but more weight yet, um, if we actually see SSH brute forcing, it's really easy for the developer at that point to understand this is something that needs to be prioritized. This isn't just another security notification that's coming in. We're actually seeing action. Somebody's trying to do this. I need to escalate it. So um, some of our main takeaways is that um, it was a painless setup. Um, and another great thing is the pricing is transparent. Um, so having this 30-day free um, trial period is extremely helpful, especially for a customer like Autodesk, where we have hundreds of accounts. Um, just turning on a service can be uh, a little bit scary when we're not exactly sure what we're doing, because at our scale, something small can really grow to be quite big before we get the first bill. Um, so this is going to allow us to really fine-tune the service. Um, finally, it allowed our security team to focus on findings um, and integrations, rather than actually supporting the systems that were creating those. Um, so we didn't have to worry about bothering teams about setting up um, devices to put in front of their VPCs or about uh, integrating our own machine learning or adding more threat intel. All this kind of came out of the box. Um, and with that, I do want to say it's more than just an IDS um, on VPC flow logs. Uh, having the combination of CloudTrail, DNS logs, threat intel, and machine learning really is giving us high caliber findings. That's um, painting a much better story about what we can see in our environment um, and how we want to prioritize. Um, finally, um, as was mentioned, I think, in that slide, the iteration on Guard Duty has been really impressive. Uh, they've been really good at taking feedback, um, and they turn it around very quickly. So we're really excited to continue to work um, on the evolution of Guard Duty, and I highly uh, suggest you turn this on, if you haven't already, and play around with it. Thank you so much. All right, so one last thing I want to just talk about is uh, the threat intelligence. So I talked a lot about the built-in threat intelligence that we have. Uh, one thing I didn't talk about was that we have the ability for you to bring your own threat intelligence as well. So if you're in the financial services space or you're in the healthcare space and you have your own threat feeds, you can import them directly into the service and we'll enforce them on your behalf. So, so if you have uh, that we, we support sticks in OTX format. Uh, we'll support, we, we support a bunch of different feeds. We'll support an Alien Vault feed and, and, uh, and se several others as well. There's a drop down uh, for the list. We can do trusted IP lists as well. So if you want to whitelist uh, certain IPs or cer certain things like you have uh, a Nessa scanner that's running and you want to whitelist that, you can add a trusted IP as well and we'll enforce that. So you can customize the, the, uh, the account that way. One, one question customers ask us a lot is usually about uh, rules. Can I write my own rules and, and can, I, can I work through that? We, we don't support writing your own rules. And uh, part of the reason for that is because um, you know, we, we're not building individual heuristics. We're, we've invested heavily in machine learning and the classifiers that we have are really capable of, of detecting a wide range of threats. And so I think um, you know, here we're really focused on taking all of the detections we can and baking them into the product giving you the ability to customize the, the, uh, the threat intel, et cetera, 
you know, if, if at some point uh, we get to the point where we can get deep packet inspection or we want to get uh, like a greater source of, of data uh, brought in, maybe there's, maybe there's a reason then to have uh, the ability to create some heuristics, that sort of thing. But that's, that's not necessarily the direction that we're taking. We're really relying on our partners for that. And we have a lot of uh, partner solutions that have, uh, you know, agent capabilities and, and uh, capabilities for, for doing deep packet inspection that can be mixed with this just to get, uh, to get even better findings. The findings format will be around for 90 days, so that's what we store. That's the, that's the duration that we'll store in the product is uh, 90 days, and then we'll, uh, uh, we'll pass those through. Um, if you want to store them for, uh, for network forensics or for, uh, for historical pur purposes, use CloudWatch events, and you can push them into S3, you can push them into your SIM system, and you can, and you can work with them that way. So that's, that's how we handle that. So um, with that, do we have any questions? Yeah. It's not going to tell you about an S3 bucket that's, that's open to the world. So, so Macy is really this, the solution that we have for dealing with S3, and so we don't want, we don't want to stomp on that. So uh, Amazon Macy uh, does a great job of, uh, of looking at basically anything in S3 and looking for data exfiltration, that sort of thing. So we, we don't do that. So we really focus on uh, the area of focus, really anomaly detection for uh, the network traffic that's coming in and out of your VPC. Now, that's not necessarily just EC2 instances. It can be anything that's running there. It can be containers, et cetera, but that's really the focus area for the service. Yeah? Uh, in uh, multi-account setup, what happens with the billing? Yeah, so the question was in the, in the multi-account uh, setup, what happens with the billing? Does the billing flow to the master? We thought about this as well. It doesn't. So right now, the billing stays with each member account, and we spread the cost that way. Uh, it, it is possible for us to aggregate billing as well. Uh, and so we asked a bunch of the customers in the preview, and it wasn't a, a hot requirement. But if it is, let us know. I think that's something that like we could we could totally do if uh, if, you, if you wanted it. Ah, so, so does multi-account support tiers or multiple masters? Uh, thanks for the softball. Uh, no, it doesn't. It's a very simple workflow that we have to get started. The, the, uh, the real answer for this is AWS organizations. And so uh, organizations is our uh, solution for, for AWS for, for all of this. And, and honestly, it's just a roadmap question. We will absolutely support AWS organizations, and that will be the way uh, that you can configure uh, uh, groups of accounts uh, going forward. And I think we're just lining up our roadmaps, and that's one of the things we'll be working on as soon as we get back from, from Las Vegas. So, uh, so you'll have support for organizations uh, coming, and that'll be much more sophisticated in terms of dealing with groups of accounts. Yeah. Yeah, so the question was, I, I turned it on. I don't have VPC flow logs running. How do you, how do you know about this? And, and the answer is, and, and, and the question was, is it a back channel that's running? And the answer is yes. So, so we, we basically you don't have to have VPC flow logs or CloudTrail running. Now, CloudTrail will be running uh, by default, but VPC flow logs does not have to be running uh, in order to use the service. Now, that said, uh, as a security professional, uh, we, we'd really like to encourage people to run uh, VPC flow logs as well for forensics. So if we point out that an anomaly happened and we, we give you an indicator of where, it's really important to be able to go back and see in those logs like where, where that happened. So we, we're strongly encouraging people to do that. One, one of the challenges with VPC flow logs is you can turn them on in all different places. You can turn them on on the instance or on the subnet. And so it's just really hard to say, is it on or is it off? And so we, we made the decision that 
you know, you give us permission to access those logs, and then we work directly with that team, we grab the logs, and then we process them from that, that set. Okay, with that, I think, I think we're gonna end it there. Uh, but, uh, thanks very much, and I'll be around for questions afterwards if, uh, if anybody has questions.